0: Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items. Never fear, there's nothing here that bites hard anyway. <laughs> ah, hello. So pleased to see you've returned to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker. And an interesting thing has come into the shop, and I'm glad you stopped by, because I thought we might both want to take a look at this curious item. If I pull it out of the glass display case here, it looks metal in nature, maybe a brass, maybe a bronze. It's a pentagonal cube with interesting and quite ancient markings on each of its sides now this looks like a relic from days of yore but is it earthly or is it otherworldly in nature or is it both that really is a question that may be answered in an hbo max series so let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at season two of raised by wolves Now, if you're not familiar with Raised by Wolves, then this TV series started out as a, I believe, TNT. It was originally going to be made for TNT and then eventually HBO took over and the first season premiered in September of 2020. Now, this had Ridley Scott's name attached to it. So that's really one of the first things that piqued my curiosity uh, because I love a lot of Ridley Scott stuff. Any fan of science fiction loves Ridley Scott stuff. And even, you know, sometimes even his science fiction uh, delves into the the horror aspect, uh, like Alien. But Ridley Scott was uh, set to be an executive producer. He actually directed the first two episodes. And this show is a science fiction show, but it's so much more complicated. I mean, it has a lot of different variations on the science fiction genre you do have some of the elevated science fiction some of the more philosophical science fiction but you also do get some of that cool alien creature science fiction that uh, I'm a big fan of all of it but uh, but I love a good uh, science fiction film or TV series where you get creatures from another planet that uh, there's just a lot of uh, fun with all those things, and really, all those different subgenres of science fiction are all meshed together thanks to the creative efforts of Aaron Guzikowski. He's the guy that created this. He's written it. Uh, it's it's original. It's not based off of any story. Uh, but as I, I heard in an interview, he said, you know, he's always been a fan of Ridley Scott. So you know, I'm a lot of the the aspects of Ridley Scott. And his influential movies have always kind of kicked around in his head. He didn't directly use any of that as influence, but the feel of this really feels. I mean, it's so appropriate that Ridley Scott's name is attached to this as an executive producer. And like I said, director of the first two episodes of season one, because it really kind of has that Ridley Scott feel to it in a lot of the aspects of this uh, series. So, you know, I, I didn't watch the series right away because once I read the brief synopsis that I read, I thought, oh, this is kind of, it sounds like that movie, I Am Mother. Uh, and I've seen that. I, I don't care if I see it, I'll watch it eventually. And then the more and more I kept seeing it advertised, I'm like, okay, this there's something going on here. I, I've got to check this out. And sometime before season two, of course, there was a bit of a layover uh, with COVID and season two didn't come out until February of this year. Uh, So there's kind of a a year off in between uh, season one and season two. But uh, a lot of the advertisements for season two premiering were coming out. And I'm like, okay, I've got to check this out. I've got HBO Max. Why not give it a watch? And it just really captivated me from the first episode. It's kind of a not too terribly distant future uh maybe a hundred years a couple hundred years in the future i suppose that's distant you know i'll I'll never see 100 or 200 years from now but that's kind of the idea a couple hundred years in the future and earth is war ravaged because you've got essentially believers versus non-believers and they're at war and they're uh, this war is destroying the planet and To keep humanity going, this atheist uh, sends an android into space, uh, two androids into space, one called Mother, played by Amanda Collin, and the other is Father, played by Abubakar Salim. They're shot into space to head to this planet, Kepler-22b. It's a planet that can sustain life, and they are going to Uh, Raise these embryos, these children. Raise them to be atheists, uh, because the they feel that's the superior mindset. And they go to this planet and raise these kids. Only one of them actually survive. And then all of a sudden, a colony, an ark full of the believers that escaped Earth show up, and and the old rivalries the old bitter feelings between the believers and the androids who are programmed to believe that uh, atheism is the uh, superior way of thinking, uh, they start to clash. And without going into too much of season one, if you haven't seen season one, uh, you're probably going to watch that before you hear me talking about season two. But if you have watched season one, you know um, they, they end with uh, and if you like I said, if you haven't seen season one, you might want to stop now because I'm going to spoil the end of season one. Mother gives birth to a creature, uh, this this snake like creature. Uh, she was expected to be human like the embryos that she grew and raised and this serpent-like creature grows exponentially and uh, becomes this big flying snake thing. It's it's just very much in the vein of some, like I said, the cool uh, creature science fiction, alien creature science fiction that's out there. But that's where we pick up in season two. You've got the bulk of the Believers have been, have been killed from the Ark. The main characters of this story uh, are making their way south to a more tropical area, where they meet up with a settlement of atheist colonists and you have all these characters uh you've got mother and father the the two androids you've got their quote-unquote son campion played by uh winter mcgrath uh, who, who does an excellent job he's kind of being bred to be this leader but he's Uh, he's not, you know, he's supposed to be this, you know, they've raised him to be atheist, but he kind of tinkers with the idea that he does have some faith. And that's really one of the big themes of this whole series. You've got the, the other believer kids, Mithraic kids that mother kidnaps in season one. Uh, they still, for the most part, have their belief, but they still look at his mother as a uh, mother figure and a protector now that the rest of their people are all gone. You've got the Marcus character played by Travis Smell. Uh, he does an excellent job. The actress that plays Sue, a- an excellent job. Just a really good cast. And for the bulk of this, I- I'm like, like I said, I'm not going to get into too many details of the of the plot i'm not going to break down each episode because it's really there's a lot of stuff going on in this so what i'm going to kind of talk about is some of these characters and some of the ideas and some of the themes that these characters tie into and how it relates to the overall story arc of this of this season now as i said mother is played by amanda collin and and she really is a, a rock star in this in this series because she she plays this android character that has been programmed to to have motherly instincts. She has artificial intelligence, so her intelligence is constantly growing, and you almost get the sense that uh, in, in some regards, the artificial intelligence has grown enough to where she is starting to feel things that could could be considered human emotion and that ties a lot into the fact that she has given birth to this this big giant serpent creature uh that they call she calls number seven uh because that was she had the six embryos when she she landed on kepler 22b uh only one of them survived and when she actually gave birth quote unquote to this creature it would have been her seventh child if it were human but it it did not turn out to be human it turned out to be the snake creature and she spends a lot of this series or actually this season she struggles with whether to be a mother to this creature because she does have that motherly connection to it but when the creature starts to be more aggressive and pose a threat? Is she going to do the right thing? And that's one of the things I love about this character is that she never is played completely bad and she's never played completely good. In some respects, Uh, She is very much an antagonist in this, but in other respects, she's very much a protagonist in this. And that's one of the things I really like about this show is because nothing is ever really black and white going back to the war between the believers and the non-believers. At first, it kind of comes across as the believers are completely bad and the atheists are pe- completely good. And I thought, well, okay, that's that's a very much a Ridley Scott thing. He's a known atheist, but he's also kind of given in certain interviews, I, I believe I've read, where he's he's not doesn't completely discount the idea that there may be something out there. Uh, a reason why things are the way they are, an intelligent design, if you will. He's not saying that's God. He's not sure what that is, but he hasn't completely discounted the fact that all of this probably didn't happen just by accident. And and you see that theme played out uh, in a lot of his things, uh, creator in the relationship to its creation with the androids and like alien with Prometheus and with Blade Runner, things like that. But at first, you really do get the sense that okay, the uh, religious uh, Mithraic uh, group is is they're the bad guys. They come across as the good guys and the believers, but they're hypocritical, and and the atheists are the the good guys. They're the ones being oppressed. You really get that at first, but it really, the waters get very muddied and it's not so black and white, especially in season two. When we start to see the other side, we get to see all these characters, uh, mother and father, Campion, Paul, and these other kids. uh, When they show up in the uh, atheist colony, they portray them as very flawed in some regards. And I think that's true to life. You know, no side is ever 100% correct. And each side has their good people and their bad people, their flawed people, and their not-so-flawed people. And And I really liked that ambiguity that, you know, one not one side or the other is completely in the right. I like how they play against this idea that, Mother is trying to raise Campion as a good atheist, and in spite of all of her teachings, he still, for whatever reason, call it a a calling of spirit or whatever, still has ideas that maybe he does believe there's something out there. At first, they don't even really answer the question as to what that could be. Is it just human nature to want to believe in something, a higher power? Is it an actual higher power calling to him, be it God or or is it maybe something else? Maybe something a little more extraterrestrial. They really uh, leave a lot of things open to interpretation, especially in the first season. I think we start to see a little more of what this may be calling out to some of these characters. But getting back to to Amanda Collin as a mother, I I really enjoy uh, how she plays this character. Uh, It's got to be hell to play this character because uh, if you haven't seen uh, the androids, uh, mother and father especially, wear these like vinyl skin tight suits all their bits and pieces are covered up because they have androids and no need for bits and pieces. Uh, But uh, they just, I've heard people on the production side of this talking about how they're just very uncomfortable. They're hot. You get very sweaty in them. They're just uh, not fun suits to wear. And for her and, uh, Abu Bakr Salim playing these characters in these horrible suits that uh, I, I guess they're really easy to tear and it's just a nightmare to work in these things, to To do the job that they do uh, to play these characters in these suits. God bless them because <laughs> it's got to be a nightmare and nothing is left to the imagination on these things. Like I said, bits and pieces are covered up and, and all that uh, because they are androids, but... Wow, you gotta feel, that's probably like the the next best thing to feeling naked in front of the crew and all the cast members. Gotta be the closest thing possible. But I do really like how she plays. The emotion of this developing AI android, the caring, the nurturing nature of Mother, and also the cold and calculating and by the book, by the numbers, I was programmed to do this uh, aspect of mother. She does a really good flipping of the switch when it comes to uh, turning it on and turning it off. And, and that's probably why uh, this is probably one of the more intriguing characters Uh, because, yeah, you never know whether to root for her or root against her, because in some regards, she can come across as very much an antagonist. In other regards, she can come across very much as a protagonist. Now, the other android father in this equation, Abu Bakr Salim, he is a less advanced android than mother. Mother is a reprogrammed necromancer, and I'm not going to get into explaining that. Uh, You got to see season one. If you have seen that, you know what I'm talking about. But for all intents and purposes, a necromancer is a Mithraic weapon of mass destruction that the atheists uh, found or captured and reprogrammed uh, to be a mother slash protector to these uh, human embryos that they're sending off to to repopulate some distant planet because Earth is about to be destroyed. But Father is uh, a service model. He's programmed to protect, and he's programmed to support these children. Abu Bakar Salim really placed this so well because, well, his, his character, this android, doesn't seem to be as advanced as mother. So you don't necessarily get the advanced artificial intelligence. He is, you know, this android is programmed to be nurturing and supportive and... And he plays that so well. Very Android-like, but you almost wonder sometimes if the caring is more than just the how he's programmed. And I love the fact that they program him to essentially tell these dad jokes. <laughs> and, and the jokes are so corny, and it's, it's so funny. His delivery of these jokes uh, just cracked me up because it's so wonderfully a dad thing to do to to come up with these corny jokes to to make the kids laugh to ease tension to to make them not so scared it's very much a dad thing to do but he does it in such a stilted robotic android way that it's just so pleasant and enjoyable and like i said the delivery that that he puts forth and he really had a, I mean, he had a lot to do uh, in season one, but it, it was all in relationship to mother and the kids uh, in season two. Father gets a little side quest, a little side project. He, he discovers these old, uh, what he thinks to be bones. And he realizes that with his Android fuel, Uh, Blood fuel as they call it. I believe that's what it's called. He starts to regrow something uh, that turns out to be another another android. And and we'll kind of get into the grandmother character a little later because that's just one of the many, many moving parts to this story. But uh, but like I said, I, I really like Abubakar Salim who who plays father just does a fantastic job, and him and Amanda Collin. Uh, those two characters are probably two of the main reasons why I love this show so much. The performance that they give, breathing life essentially into these two android characters, that I, I just I, I really enjoy what they're doing on the screen, and I, I really enjoy travis Fimmel, who plays marcus he is an atheist soldier he along with sue they take over the identity of this marcus and, and sue characters so they can sneak on to the mithraic arc and escape the destruction of earth and as we saw in season one the the marcus character starts to have uh saul on the road to damascus moment where all of a sudden he's gone from an atheist pretending to be uh, somebody of faith to somebody of faith because he's felt this calling. And he very much, the character Marcus is a very complex character uh, because in some regards, you want to hate him because he comes across as an antagonist. But then other times when he is interacting with the character, Paul, who is the son of the people they replaced and, and took their faces uh, to get on board this ship. Uh, he grows to love, you know, he and Sue grow to love this kid, Paul, uh, like their own. And some of the interactions with him just feel genuine and real like he really did learn to love this kid because I don't think uh, they could have kids of their own and all the things that Marcus goes through especially towards the end of this I mean working with mother when they've been very much adversarial to the very end where we have this kind of cliffhanger ending where we think he's dead and then all of a sudden. I don't even know what to make of, of how uh, things ended for Marcus, but it leaves such a huge question mark as to where things are going to go when we head into season three. And same with Sue. Uh, Sue is a character I really liked, and I, I'm trying not to say the actress's name because I know I'm going to butcher it, and I just have too much respect for for her and what she's doing with with this sue character to to do that but uh but the actress that plays sue is is really uh, she again kind of has a a story that mirrors marcus's uh, a little bit because the sue character is very much an atheist she kind of plays along at first but once you know everything's revealed that she is not really sue she's this other character mary that took sue's place uh she just she's very much still an atheist unlike uh, Marcus who kind of had this this calling moment and then uh, when Paul's life is put in danger and she finds herself breaking down and praying uh, for the first time it's really an interesting moment for this character and then and then to see where it goes from there is just batshit crazy there's things with her and a tree and and the tree getting eaten by the big snake monster. The snake monster powers up and evolves into something else. I mean it's I mean I, I'm believe me, what I just said may come across as a spoiler, but you got to see it to understand it and to believe it, it's just way out there. But all the kids even have bigger storylines. Tempest, uh, this character, um, lovely actress, plays her, does a fantastic job. She gets a lot more in this because she is pregnant. Uh, she was raped by a Mithraic man and it causes her to have a crisis of faith. Uh, she's kind of lost her faith and the whole thing with her pregnancy and having the baby and and how she's dealing with it is just very complex and kind of a there but for the grace of God go I situation. Uh, it's interesting to watch a person in this situation something that I'll never understand uh, as a man how this character deals with it. It's just all very interesting. The Holly character gets a lot more in this. Uh, the only one that really didn't get—I uh, mean, the, the younger girl Vita. She's a little older now, but she's still. Uh, they haven't really done much with her. The other character, Hunter, he got uh, a little bit more. But I, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with this character because I'd like to see this this young actor. Ethan Hazard, get a little more. Get a little something he can sink his teeth into as far as a storyline. And we'll probably get that because they, they kind of, uh, what everybody's feet a little bit in season one, uh, started to give some of these Young actors, a little more to do in Season 2. Uh, a couple of them, like I said, the Holly and the Tempest character. And uh, I think we're going to see, uh, hopefully see Hunter get a little more of a story arc in Season 3. And the last really main-ish character, uh, she became more of a main character in the last, uh, you know, three or four episodes, was Selena Jones, who plays Grandmother. the The android that father grew from old remains... Uh, using his his blood fuel. And it really begs the question, what is going on with this? Because beyond the characters, beyond some of the storylines, the main crux of this whole series really is, like I said, and and very true to a lot of Ridley Scott things, uh, creator versus creation creator in relationship to the creation. And it's also very much a what came first, the chicken or the egg sort of scenario. Uh, We've got these two groups, these two factions on earth, the Mithraic who are very religious. They became more technologically advanced because there were things hidden in their religious text that allowed them, uh, you know, information on how to create the necromancers, those sorts of things. Once they get to this planet, Kepler-22b, they're finding a lot of these same religious artifacts there. So... I'm guessing, and this hopefully is not a spoiler, this is what I'm thinking, and I think it's probably safe to say that Earth was inhabited by the former inhabitants of Kepler-22b. Uh, they took their beliefs and everything to, to Earth, and now Earth is coming back to repopulate it, a humanity. Uh, some form of human used to live on this Kepler-22b planet, and they've played with the idea that there's been some sort of human de-evolution going on in on, on kepler 22b and somehow this ties into grandmother and we, we look at Grandmother as this maybe protagonist-type figure, but we find out by the end that maybe her intentions aren't so noble. So it, it's really interesting because it plays off the origins of humanity. It, uh, it plays off the origins of religion. A lot of questions that people ask here on Earth today Are the gods of old really gods or were they extraterrestrials that were so advanced they appeared to be gods to a less advanced humanity? And I like how it plays on faith or the lack of faith. It never really comes across as one side's right or the other side is right in what they believe. Uh, I think more of the, the crime is that when one side uh, tries to impose on the other side what they should believe, uh, and, and it plays a lot into those sort of themes. Mother very much wants Campion to be this atheist leader, but. Every time he turns around, uh, Campion is showing some sort of belief in a higher being. Whereas the Paul character, very much raised as a a believer, sometimes has a crisis of faith, depending on what's going on. Uh, And like I said, it's really interesting a really interesting look at faith and belief, religion versus no religion creator versus creation whether it's man and androids whether it's god and man whether it is some advanced alien version of humanity that has been long extinct and the Humans that they created and sent to seed another planet. Uh, There's a lot of interesting things going on there. And another thing I really liked about this is that this is, you know, science fiction, but Aaron Guzikowski very much kept this based in, in a lot of fact. Uh, like the the planet they're on, Kepler 22b is an actual planet, 600 light years away, I believe it is. Uh, it's a planet that they believe has an atmosphere. It would be inhabitable by humans if we could ever get there. Uh, we don't know what it looks like, but yeah, they believe that this planet, Kepler 22b, it's a real planet that could sustain life. So I, I like how the planet that humanity is sending people off to 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 repopulate. Uh, because Earth is being destroyed. Uh, I, I like how that's based in some sort of reality. The religious group, the Mithraic, is based on an actual religious cult from back in Roman times. Uh, I believe some of the Roman soldiers believed in, in Mithras, which was an Iranian god. It was almost like I said, a cult or a club. And Mithraics or uh, Mithraism was a real thing. Uh, it's not what we see in this series but I like how it's based on some kernel of actuality some kernel of truth uh, this this Mithraic religion that we see in this is very much a uh, it almost feels like a version of Catholicism the God is not God it's not the God we know they they pray to soul that's this universe's version of god but this this mithraic religion very much about the saints very much about artifacts it does have a lot of uh, and it gives you the feel of of catholicism or a version of catholicism but i like that you know and that was very much a thing that aaron uh, guzikowski Decide, he didn't want this religion to be any religion that we've got going on right now because I don't think he wanted to step on people's toes, uh, but it's very much influenced by religions of today. And that's one of the things uh, I, I saw an interview where he's asked if this is earth in the future, or if this is maybe an alternate version of earth. And he said that really is the question that may actually be answered in seasons to come. So I'm really interested to see that. Uh, It very much feels like it could be a version of our earth that religion just evolved into after You know, I I think after a hundred years, I mean, religion has been fairly set for thousands of years. I I don't think a hundred years would change religion that much, but it's possible. I think this maybe is an alternate universe to ours. But like I said, it'll be very interesting to see how this all plays out. And now what I understand, I know Aaron Gazakowski has said that he would like to do this in about five seasons. He would like to tell this story in five seasons. There's been no word yet. I know he is working on writing season three, but there's been no word yet that I have seen on whether uh, Raised by Wolves has been greenlit for a third season. But uh, I I have to imagine, I've seen a lot about this, a lot of talk about it. The ratings on things like Rotten Tomatoes have been really good. I think more and more people are going to catch on to this because it really is such an interesting bit of science fiction. Like I said earlier, it taps into so many different aspects of science fiction. Whether you like philosophical science fiction or you like creature science fiction, uh, it's gotten a little something for everyone. And that's one of the reasons. It made it so hard for me to talk about this series uh, with any specificity because it is so freaking out there. I and I love shows that are out there. I've been watching uh, Doom Patrol, trying to get caught up on that, and that is a show on again on HBO Max. That it's just so freaking out there and bizarre, and stuff happens that I'm like, what the hell did I just watch? Raised by Wolves is very much in that vein, and I gotta I gotta tip my hat to the execs at HBO Max. For giving shows like Doom Patrol and Raised by Wolves, carte blanche to go out there and just go for it and do as much crazy shit, as long as it makes sense, as long as it serves uh, the greater purpose of the story. I don't mind things getting crazy and wacky and off the walls. And, and sometimes, you know, you've got a robot giving birth to, a snake creature that grows exponentially after it leaves the womb. That's some crazy shit. And, and they just went for it and it doesn't make sense in the grand scheme of things. What the hell is going on? You have no idea what the hell is going on even after a full season of it, but it makes sense in the context of there are no rules. It's no holds barred on this show. They're going to do things that I think in time will make sense. I think in time that all these weird things that are going on will be resolved. We'll get answers. Uh, I think you just have to give them time to to do that. But until then, my God, is it a wild and crazy and bizarre, unnatural and otherworldly yet grounded in in bits of actuality that we can grab a hold of that that are happening in our world that we live in there's just so much going on with this it's just so captivating and not to mention it's well written it's so well acted. I mean, this cast from the, the main adults through the kid actors, just everyone does a fantastic job. There's no actor on this, on this cast that I'm like, oh, they're not that good. I, I wish they'd stop doing scenes with that. I, I really enjoy. And then there's, like I said, there are some characters that I can't wait to see more of them. Uh, because I think they're really good actors, and I don't think they've been given enough. I mean, it's a a pretty good-sized cast, so yeah, not everybody's going to get main storylines, but I'm excited to see some of these B characters get get some more screen time in seasons to come, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see where this goes, because I was not aware that season two was only going to be eight episodes, Season one was 10 episodes. I watched episode eight. I'm like, oh, wow, I can't wait to see the next episode. And I kept watching for it. I kept watching for it. I was like, oh, that was it. It left you on such a cliffhanger. I'm like, there's no way they can just leave it here and make me wait another year for season three. There's no way they're going to do this. But they did that. Uh, There are so many things going on at the very end of this. It felt like they just ran it right off a cliff. And you know what? It just made me want more. It's got me yearning for more. I am I got a hunger. I need more Raised by Wolves. And that, I think, is a testament to a pretty darn good show. And I've really enjoyed Season 2 of Raised by Wolves even more so than I enjoyed season one. I thought season one was really good. I thought they upped the bar in both quality and craziness and sci-fi adventure ridiculousness that it really... I mean, it's not done tongue-in-cheek. It's not done hokey. But the things going on are just so out there. And that's what's great about science fiction is you can create worlds where... The normal rules don't apply anymore, and that's what you've got with Raised by Wolves, especially in Season 2. The normal rules don't apply anymore, and by God, it's fun to watch. So there you have it. That's my look at Raised by Wolves Season 2. Hopefully I didn't spoil anything for you. Uh, like I said, there's just so much. There are so many moving parts to this show and to this season that I just could not break it down episode by episode and beat by beat because, Jesus, we don't have enough time. But it is really something. And if you have watched it, hopefully you enjoy it as much as I do. If you haven't watched it, go back. Uh, Watch season one, season two, and you're going to be chomping at the bit for season three. And uh, keep listening. Uh, to this podcast check out our facebook fan page we're going to keep you up to date uh, soon as we hear season three's green- greenlit for raised by wolves uh, you're going to find out about it right there on our facebook page so check it out odds bodkins curiosity shop we share articles we share trailers from all the latest tv shows and movies coming out and of course no matter where you're listening to this podcast whatever platform please like subscribe download it share it Leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. But whatever review you leave us will definitely be appreciated. And uh, we thank you for listening. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop.